We're continuing in this worship series, as you've heard, called I Wonder, where we're looking at, we're thinking about different questions that we ask about God and the Bible and who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. And today we're asking the question, I wonder, what about miracles? What about miracles? I've been thinking an awful lot about miracles over the last couple of months. Many of you know that I recently had a baby. She's three months old. Her name is Ellie. And she is nothing short of a miracle. She's a miracle because I was told when I was um, a teenager that you will never be able to bear children naturally. And so with the help of a really good fertility doctor, um, lots of prayer, lots of waiting, um, and the intervention of God, Ellie is here and she is a miracle. Um, Miracles, they're supernatural. We believe that these are things that happen that can't be explained apart from the intervention of God. That God intervenes on our behalf, on the behalf of God's children. There are things that go beyond what humans can do. And I believe that miracles are all around us. I really do. Think about it. How many of you would say that you have experienced a miracle yourself? Show, Show me your hands. Good. How many of you would say that you know somebody who's experienced a miracle? Can't be explained apart from God. Let me see. How many of you have something that you can pray for for somebody that you are just desiring and hoping and praying for a miracle in your life or in the life of somebody else? Yeah, miracles, they're all around us. They're amazing. But then on the flip side of that, for me, are life's disappointments and challenges Perhaps you prayed and prayed and prayed for a miracle in your life and it, it didn't happen. God didn't do it. What does that say about who God is? I, I wonder, what does that say about who God is? Or perhaps you're un- uncomfortable when we use words like supernatural, um, miracle, and you'd prefer to talk about luck or coincidence or even science. Maybe we've cheapened the word miracle. I mean... I consider it a miracle when I get a front row parking spot at Kroger, right? Or um, my husband told me to say this. After the last two Cowboy games, it'll be a miracle if the Cowboys go to the Super Bowl, right? Um, Whatever. Uh, Maybe we say things like, it's a miracle that we made it to the weekend, the way that this week was. It was just a miracle. I don't know. Sometimes things just happen, right? Like, somebody left Kroger at the exact same time I was getting there. Is that a miracle? I don't know. Probably probably not. If the Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl, is it because God intervened? Well, maybe. I don't know. Um, but maybe it's just because of good playing or good coaching. I don't know. But I'm convinced that there is something so much bigger going on when we talk about miracles. I'm convinced of it. This supernatural intervention of God on our behalf. And I'm convinced that we live miracles all the time. The fact that we are in this room breathing breath is a miracle. So what I want us to do this morning is ask the question, what about miracles? I want to give you the answer. And then I want us to look at different places in the Bible um, where miracles are found and see how those apply to our lives. So our question is this morning, what about miracles? This is the answer. Jesus is the miracle. Jesus is the miracle. It's the it's a simple answer. It feels simple to us, but it's the answer. Jesus is the miracle. 
When we talk about Jesus, we talk about God in God's self, sending his very own son to earth. This is what we call the incarnation of Jesus. In, in the word carnus, carnus means body. So Jesus came in the form of a physical human body. God sends God's own son to earth in the form of a baby. This baby is Jesus, and Jesus is fully human. Jesus is fully divine all at the same time. This is one of the mysteries of our faith. We believe that Jesus was 100% human. That means he experienced all of the things that we experience as humans. He understood the physicality of being human, even to the point of being this helpless baby, this helpless child who had to rely on others for everything. Jesus knew the emotions of being human. He understood pain and suffering because he experienced it. Jesus knew what it was like for people to despise and hate him. He knew what it was like to be homeless. Jesus knew what it was like to feel abandoned and lonely. All of this and all of his humanness, Jesus lived this life. And at the same time, he was 100% divine. He was 100% God in God's self. So what about miracles? The answer, what's the answer? Jesus is the miracle. Jesus is the miracle. God becoming like us was the miracle. It required this divine, supernatural intervention. And as Jesus lived on earth, he lived and he moved amongst people. And he came to serve them. He came to give his life for the sake of all people. We read about Jesus' ministry in the Gospels. And he came. He came to point us to God. He came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to bring life. And John 10.10 says, I have come to give you life. And I have come to give you abundant life. Abundant life. He came into the lives of those who were suffering and hurting. He came to preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to give recovery of sight to the blind. He came to free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Luke 4 tells us those things. He came and performed these miracles and signs and wonders. His very first miracle happened at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And at this wedding reception, a terrible thing happened. The wine ran out. Now, if you're at a wedding and the wine runs out, I guess the party's over, right? Um, so his mother says, hey, Jesus. She knew Jesus was the miracle. She says, Jesus, can you help? Can you help us? And Jesus says, okay, to the servants, bring the, the barrels, fill them up with water, and then serve them to the guests. And as they served them to the guests, this wine flowed. Again, he had turned water into wine. And it wasn't the cheap wine that you pull out at the end of the night, you know, when you're like ready for everybody to go. It was the best wine. Seriously, it was the best. This was Jesus's first miracle, and it occurs in the Gospel of John right after Jesus says these words to Nathaniel. He has called Nathaniel to follow him, and he says, Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than this. You're going to see way greater things than this. Just hold on. And then the first thing we see is that Jesus turns water into wine. The wine in itself is not the miracle. The miracle was Jesus, that Jesus could do it. It was supernatural, something that couldn't be explained apart from God. So then Jesus goes on to live this life that's filled with miracles. He heals people of disease and sickness. He raises Lazarus from the dead. He feeds 5,000 people with two loaves and five fishes. He walks on water. He controls the weather. He drives out demons. The list goes on and on. But Jesus just doesn't perform miracles. Jesus is the miracle. Because you see, Jesus came to die so that we 
might have life. Jesus came to die to bring deliverance and redemption and salvation to all those who call on his name in faith. And in his 33rd year, Jesus was betrayed, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was abandoned, he was accused, and ultimately he was hung on a cross to die this gruesome, awful death. He died. Jesus was buried. He was put into a tomb. But the ultimate miracle is that three days later, they rolled the stone away from the front of the tomb, and Jesus was not there. He was resurrected. He was resurrected from the dead. That is a miracle. And this is the the good, good news of the gospel, that death could not defeat him. Jesus, who is God in and of God's self, 100% human, 100% God, he is restored, he is resurrected, and the miracle is that he promises to do the same thing for each and every one of us. It's because of Jesus' death and resurrection that we can experience life here on earth, and it's because of Jesus' death and resurrection that we can experience life in eternity forever with God. Jesus is the miracle, and that's good, good news. So we have our question, what about miracles? We know our answer. What's the answer? Jesus is the miracle. So let's consider what it means that Jesus is the miracle. We're going to use that lens to look at different types of miracles in the Bible. The first one that I want us to look at are miracles of healing. Miracles of healing happen all over the Bible. Miracles of physical healing happen all over the Bible, especially in the Gospels. Jesus heals the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. There's this pool that people think is going to heal them when it bubbles up. And if you get in the water, you can be healed. And this guy who is lame has been sitting there for years. And he can't get the strength to get into the pool. And Jesus comes up to him and he's like, dude, do you want to get well? Like, do you, you've been sitting here all this time. Do you want to get well? He says, yes. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. You have been healed. And the man stands up and goes and he, he tells others of who Jesus is and, and he worships Jesus. One day, this man named Jairus, he comes to, to Jesus because his daughter is sick. She's so close to dying. She's so sick. Jairus knew that Jesus was the miracle. So he finds Jesus in this crowd of people. He says, please, please, please come to my house. I need you to help me. My daughter is so sick. And Jesus says, okay, let's go. And as as they're going, Jesus comes to the home and people are outside of the home just wailing and crying because Jairus's daughter has died. And Jesus says, no, no, she's sleeping. And he ends up raising her from death to life. He heals Jairus' daughter. But on the way there, on the way to her house, he stops for a moment in this crowd of people because he feels that somebody has touched the hem of his, of his robes. And he feels that this power has gone out of him. And it's a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. Can you imagine 12 years she's been struggling with this physical ailment and she knows Jesus is the miracle and if I can just touch him, if I can just reach out and touch him, I know that he can help me. And Jesus looks at her and says, woman, your faith has made you well. Go and be healed. And she's healed physically. Her body is healed. This is a miracle and all the people who worshiped it, who, who saw it just worshiped Jesus because they were astonished. Jesus, he cures the lepers. He heals the blind. He raises Lazarus from the dead. 
He puts the ear back on a soldier. When, whenever Jesus is being arrested, Peter is trying to save Jesus, so he pulls out his sword and he like lops the ear off of a soldier. And Jesus just picks it up and puts it back on the guy. He performs these miracles. He drives out demons. If you haven't read the Gospels, he drives demons into these pigs and then has the pigs fly off of a cliff. Like this is the Bible. You have to read it. It's really good stuff. Like, pick, pick up the uh, Bible today, or t- this week. Pick out Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Read about the miracles of Jesus because they are astonishing. You know, but it, it makes me ask this question. Maybe you're having the same question, too. Were the people Jesus miraculously healed the only ones who needed healing? Like, there were these huge crowds of people. Surely there were others who would have liked for Jesus to physically heal their bodies as well. But he didn't. So, so why does Jesus heal some people and not others? Have you ever asked that question? I'm in um, this Facebook group for United Methodist clergy women who are moms. And let me just tell you, the people on there overpost way too much. But I saw a post from this one pastor who was doing a funeral this weekend, and she asked for prayers for the funeral. And as pastors, we always cover the funerals and our participation in them with prayer. She asked for prayers from other United Methodist clergy women moms because this was going to be a really hard funeral, the funeral of a 19-year-old who had died of cancer. But what made it especially challenging is that this This 19-year-old died of cancer, of brain cancer, the same exact type of cancer that she herself had and was cured from, was healed from. Same treatment, same diagnosis, same prognosis. The 19-year-old died and she lived. How, How do we explain that? We all know someone who could have and we think should have been healed and God doesn't do it. It feels like God just doesn't do it. What does this mean about God? These are the hard questions that we wrestle with. Why did God give me a miracle baby and there's somebody here in the, in the congregation today who's praying and praying and praying and it hasn't happened? Why did God miraculously heal one person of cancer and not another person? And you know, we have to be really careful here because This is where bad theology can creep in, and it can be really hurtful. Sometimes people will say things like, oh, well, you didn't pray or believe hard enough, so, um, you know, that just is what it is. Or maybe people say, you know, God needed an angel. No, God does not need an angel. No. People might say, oh, your kid is sick because there's sin in your life, and you need to get rid of that sin, and then maybe your kid won't be sick. Or maybe you're sick because of the sin in your life. No, no. I don't believe any of those things are true, and I believe this theology can be really hurtful. That's why we have to look at these questions together. This is what I do believe. I believe that our good, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God can do anything. Do you believe that? Our God can do anything. Can God physically heal us? Yes, absolutely. I know it to be true. Does God bring healing? Yes. Does God always bring healing on this side of heaven? No. And I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why. But I do know that we see the same question that comes up in the Bible. 
Jesus heals over and over again in the Bible, but sometimes he doesn't. There's this story, it's in 2 Corinthians, it's about Paul. And Paul reveals that he has what he calls a thorn in his flesh. And scholars don't know exactly what that means. I don't think there was a literal, like, rose thorn stuck in him. I think that he was experiencing some sort of pain, discomfort, ailment, disease, sickness that just lasted him his whole life. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he begged God, God, please remove this thorn from my flesh. Please remove this thorn from my flesh. Paul was one of the most faithful witnesses to the power of Christ. He was martyred. He was decapitated by the Romans because of his faith in Jesus. So I don't believe God didn't heal him because Paul wasn't faithful. He's arguably one of the most faithful people in all of the world. I don't know why God didn't heal him in his lifetime, but I do know that God brought total healing and total restoration to his body in eternity. I don't know why God has not healed you. I don't know why God has not healed the person that you love when we know that he can, when we know that he's done it before. But this is what we know. Jesus is the miracle. Jesus is the miracle, and because of your faith in Jesus, You will spend eternity in a restored body worshiping our Lord. And here's the truth that I heard a pastor named Craig Groeschel say about this. He said, you know, if God heals your body of cancer or another ailment that you have, you're still going to die, right? If God heals you of this sickness, if God heals you of this thorn in your flesh, we're all still going to die, I'm not trying to be morbid, but it's true. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. It's a miracle that we have breath in our lungs right now. But here's the thing. The highest calling of Jesus, the highest calling of Jesus is not to heal our bodies. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to heal our bodies. The highest calling of Jesus is to save our souls. The highest calling of Jesus is to save our souls. Our faith in who God is, our faith in Jesus is based not on what God does, but it's based on who God is. Let's say that one more time. This is important. This is so important to me. The highest calling of Jesus is not to save our bodies. The highest calling of Jesus is to save our souls. And so then our faith in Jesus becomes about who God is, not just about what God can do for us. God gives to us Jesus, who's this miracle, and because of Jesus, we are given eternal life. And it's because of Jesus that we can make it through any of life's challenges, because Jesus is with us in our brokenness. He's with us in our suffering. Jesus is with us in our longings and in our questions. God says to us, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you always. I love you. I gave my life for you. I want good things for you. And I promise to bring healing in eternity. So should we pray for God to heal us? Absolutely. We should pray. We should beg. We should long for God to heal us. Should we believe that God can do it? Yes. We know that God can do it. Should we believe that he will do it? Yes. We should. We should believe that God can and will heal us. But we should worship God simply for who God is. And as we worship him and as we trust God, we know that we are living miracles every single moment. We know the love of Jesus and we know that Jesus is the miracle, even when we don't have all of the answers. 
So in our Bible, we have miracles of healing, and we also have miracles of protection. They are throughout the scriptures. God protects. He rescues from enemies. God gives this hedge of protection around Gomer in the book of Hosea. God protects us from our own desires. Sometimes God protects us from what we think we want or we need. How many of you think back to when you were young, you just prayed and prayed and prayed um, that God will let you marry that specific person? And you look back now, maybe years later, and you're like, oh, thank you, Lord, you saved me from, you know, my own desire. That's the protection of God. God protects us. We say God protects us from this car crash. God protected me from getting the flu. We hear these stories about God's protection, but we, we hear them especially when it comes to tragedies. Think about, for just a minute, the events of 9-11. We heard all of these stories about people who were late to work that morning, right? Do you remember hearing those stories? They should have been in their office on the 40th floor of the World Trade Center, but they were at a parent-teacher conference, or they were out of town, or they were at a doctor's office, or they were working from home that morning, and they say, God protected me. Do I believe that God did? Yes. But then that begs the question, what about the 3,000 people who died in that tragedy? Did God not protect them? Why does God protect some people and seemingly not other people? When we hear about these mass shootings, somebody who survives says, God protected me. What about the people who died? Did God not protect them? Like, how, how do we reconcile this? This is what I know. Jesus is the miracle. And you know, God has a plan for us long before we face any type of problem. God's plans for us are to prosper us and not to harm us. They're to give us a future that's filled with hope. God's plan is that you know the love of Christ in a way that transforms your life. God's plan is for you to spend eternity with him in heaven. There's this incredible story about protection in Acts chapter 16 in the book of Acts. And it's about Paul again. Paul is on these missionary journeys and he's with Silas and they're traveling to tell others about who Jesus is and Paul and Silas are arrested, they're beaten, they're stripped, they're flogged, they're thrown in jail, they're accused of this misconduct. So they're in jail, they have ankles, ankle binds on, and you know what they did? They started worshiping God. They started singing songs and hymns of praise. They just started worshiping God. They knew that Jesus was the miracle despite their circumstances. They knew that Jesus was with them in that place. They knew that God had this plan for them long before they faced their problem. And then all of a sudden this earthquake happened and it shook the foundation of the jail and the walls came tumbling down and the shackles came off and the doors flew open and they were free. And the guard who was supposed to be watching them, he's freaking out because he didn't do his job. Now all the people are free. So he draws his sword to commit suicide because he knew that that would be better than the punishment that he would face for letting all of the people go. And Paul and Silas were like, no, 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 we're here. We're right here. We haven't left. And they ended up telling this jailer about who Christ is and how to have faith in Jesus. And he and his whole household were saved Paul and Silas, they didn't wait for the miracle to worship God. They worshiped God before the miracle happened. God had this plan long before they were in this problem. And in this instance, Paul and Silas are protected from being jailed. They're protected from being killed. 
But it wasn't the only time that Paul and Silas were in prison. They were in prison, I think it's like five times in the scriptures. And this is the only time that God protects them in this specific type of way. So here's what this story teaches us. This is what this story teaches me, that we are to worship God before we receive the miracle. And we worship God based on who God is, not based on what God can do for us. We worship God for his character. We worship God for his goodness, for his love. Do we believe that God can protect us? Yes. Should we pray for God to protect us? Yes. But we do so knowing that the miracle has already been given. The miracle is Jesus. So we've talked about healing. We've talked about protection. And I want us to talk about the miracles of provision that are found in our scriptures. There are these times when God supernaturally intercedes to meet the needs of his people. We see this in Exodus. The, the Israelites, they're wandering throughout the desert. Wandering, not wandering. They're wandering throughout the desert. And um, there's no food in the desert. So they ask God for provision. And God sends manna from heaven. Every morning, just exactly what they need is there. We see this when Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. Isaac, who is his only son, who God has promised to use to make him into a great nation. God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, and Abraham is obedient. So they go to this place of sacrifice on the mountain, and, and God provides a ram that's caught in the thorns. And God provides a ram instead of the sacrifice of Isaac. God miraculously provided in 1 Kings chapter 17, we see the story of the widow. She has this tiny, tiny bit of oil and tiny, tiny bit of flour. It's really not enough to even feed her son for the day. But the prophet Elijah says, hey, can you give that to me? I need it. And she says, okay, I'm going to give out of faith. And we learn that God miraculously kept this jar of oil and this container of flour filled because of her faithfulness to give. We hear the story of Jesus who miraculously fed 5,000 people in the Gospels. The disciples come up to Jesus after he's been teaching all day and they're like, Jesus, the people are really hungry. We don't have enough food to go buy them dinner and they didn't bring food. So what should we do? And a little boy comes forward and he opens up his lunchbox and he has two fish and five loaves or five loaves and two fish. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. He has a little bit of food. And he says, here, you can have this. And you know what Jesus did? He multiplied it. And he used it to feed all 5,000 people with 12 baskets of leftovers. God provides in these miraculous way. There, there's just no explanation for it apart from the intervention of God. We hear these stories so often when we work in benevolence ministry here at Lover's Lane. Oftentimes, like the widow, like the little boy who gave just what they had, God asks us to give what we have, and then God multiplies it to meet the needs of people right here in this room, right here in our congregation. We've been able to help pay rent or school fees or medical expenses to members of our congregation who at some point just needed a miracle, and God used us to be that miracle. God can use us to provide when we give out of our faith to him. God provides for our needs. We should ask God to provide for our needs. We say it in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. I believe that you will provide for me. But you know, this is what we know. Jesus is 
the miracle. Jesus is the miracle that has already been provided to us. And as we know and love Jesus, we can and will make it through any storm in our life. So all of these are just a few examples of some of the miraculous works of God that are in our scriptures. We see miracles of healing and protection and provision. And all of these things, they can't be explained apart from God intervening on behalf of people. So I want to close this morning with a story that's found in the book of Daniel. And this story has been so transformational in my own life. It's about these three who you might have heard of. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And at the time, there's a king of Babylon. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar decides that everybody should worship him. He wants everybody to bow down and worship him. He builds these gold statues up, and um, he says, you have to bow down and worship me. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, no, we're not going to worship you. We are going to worship the one true God, our one true God. We refuse to bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar says, okay, if you don't bow down to me, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace surely to your death. And this is what um, our scriptures say. This is Daniel chapter 3. We're going to read 14 through 18. It says this. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve the gods in my image or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of all of these things and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship me in the image that I made, great. But if you don't, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hands? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they reply, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the fiery furnace, and this is the part where we need to tune in, if we're thrown into the fiery furnace, we know that our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. We know that he is. But even if he doesn't, we know, we know that he's able. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, King Nebuchadnezzar, that we will not worship you. We will not serve your gods. They refuse to obey this king, and they're thrown in the furnace to their sure deaths. But we read later that an angel is there with them in the furnace, and um, they weren't burned up. They were saved miraculously. So here's what I love about this story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew, they knew with every single fiber of their beings that God could save them. They knew it. They say, we know God is able to save us. We believe it. We ask for it. We pray for it. We believe it. They said, King, we're not going to bow down to you because we know that our God is able to deliver us from the fire. But then they go on and they say this, and this is, like I said, the transformational piece for me. They say, but even if he doesn't, we will still praise him. We will not praise the other gods. We will praise the one true God, even if he doesn't. We know he can, but even if he doesn't, our God is worthy to be praised. Jesus is the miracle, and he is the one who's worthy of our praise, even when we don't get what we're asking for. Jesus is the miracle who can work to heal and to protect and to provide for us. But even if he doesn't, He's still worthy of our praise. We worship God for 
who he is. We don't worship God for what he can do for us. So in my own life, I um, prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for God to provide a husband for me. And Robbie will tell you, I'm the miracle, right? But as a young woman, I just begged God. I begged and begged. And I had to get to this really honest place of, God, I know that you can. But even if you don't, you are still worthy of being praised. Because you are the miracle. You are all that I need. I told you earlier that we just had this baby, Ellie, who's three months old. And right when we found out that we were pregnant, we also found out that my mom had been diagnosed with some real weird illness that caused this mass in her back and fluid in her lungs. And she was going to MD Anderson, and they were having roundtables of doctors to try to figure out what was happening, and they had no idea. But they said, you probably have six months to a year to live. That was one year ago. Miraculously, we believe through God's supernatural work She has lived a year now, and her symptoms are better, and some have gone away, and we don't know how, but we believe that it's a miracle. But I tell you, for me, I had to come back to this story, and I prayed and prayed and prayed, God, please heal my mom. God, please heal my mom. And I would cry over and over because I was just begging that God would allow my baby to meet my mom. It wasn't guaranteed had to come back to this place of saying, God, I know that you can. I'm going to ask you for it. I'm going to believe that you will. But even if you don't, you are still worthy to be praised. Even if you don't, you're still worthy to be praised because I'm going to worship you, God, for who you are, not for what you can do for me. I am here to testify today that uh, my mom is doing well. She has spent lots of time with baby Ellie. I have a picture of of, um, them for you. Aren't they precious? I had to slip the baby in there somewhere, somehow. But I, I believe that God is good even if he didn't. Even if he didn't. So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't. I don't know what you came through the doors with that's on your heart and on your mind. I, I don't know the areas of your life where you are in desperate need of a miracle, but I would bet that there's people in this room this morning who need healing in your bodies. Let's pray. Let's ask God for a miracle of healing. I know some of you need miracles of protection for your children from an addiction, from a hostile work environment. We need to pray for God to protect us as we travel, as we drive, as we go places. We need to ask God to protect our children, to put a hedge of protection around them. We need to pray for protection from sickness and protection from enemies and protection from temptation. And as we pray, we believe that God can do it. We believe that God will do it. But even if he doesn't, we're going to keep worshiping him. I know some of us need miracles of provision. Some of us have no idea how we're going to pay rent this month or you need money for a medical procedure or you have other needs and you just have no idea how you're going to meet those needs. And we pray and we ask God, please, God, provide for me. For some of us, God is going to use you and your gifts, what you give out of faith in Christ to provide for somebody else. And so this morning, We need to pray for miracles because they're all around us. They happen all the time. The same power that's at work in this Bible is at work in this room, in this place, in this world today. 
And so when we come and we pray for miracles, we confess to God, God, I'm going to worship you because I know who you are. I know that you are good. I know that you have provided the miracle of Jesus. I'm not going to worship you just for what you can do for me, Lord. But we know that Jesus is the miracle. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your goodness to us. We give you thanks for who you are. And God, we give you thanks for Jesus, who is the miracle. Lord, we pray. We pray for protection. God, we know that you can. We know that you will. We ask you for protection. God, we pray for healing. God, we pray for physical healing, and we believe that you can do it. We know that you can do it. God, we pray for provision. God, we pray that you would give us exactly what we need when we need it. We want to trust you in that. God, we know that you can, but even if you don't, we're going to keep praising you because you are good. You are with us. And so, God, we're going to take a minute and we're going to lift up a couple of prayers to you silently. And then we're going to sing, I have this hope. 